Uh, hello and welcome to the Arena Series which, with Coach Nick and Coach Jake. I'm Coach Jake, and here in the Arena Series, our purpose is to inspire people to trust themselves, to live authentically and vulnerably, and to step into the arena in their personal and professional lives. Coach Nick and I have worked collectively with men for over 20 years. We currently run two men's groups and are finishing a novel, uh, our final draft of a novel about a fictional men's group and the impact of vulnerability. And we're really excited to kick off the arena series tonight and talk about men and friendship. Uh, but before we dive in, why do we call this the arena series, Nick? <laughs> um, or, or what does it really mean for a man to be in the arena, right? Yes. Um, you know, the way I'm gonna answer that question is that most, most men, most boys growing up um, would probably answer the question um, that often the arena the arena is about winning and beating someone and being better than them, being in charge, being the leader, making more money, getting a promotion, uh, sexual prowess, right? Sexual contest, conquest, right? Um, and, you know, what we want to offer is um, that the arena, um, what if the arena was not about those things, right? What we want to offer is the arena was about how you as a man show up in your relationships, now we're in a relationship everywhere. We're in a relationship with people at work, with our family, with our neighborhood, our community. We're in a relationship with the world, with the climate, et cetera. But what if, we, what if the arena was really about, not about promotions and um, how many times have I gotten laid in the last week, but rather how I show up for the people in my relationships? How do I show up for the world? What if redefining masculinity and stepping into the arena is about who you are as a person your values, your core values, your character, um, the climate that you set, the energy that you bring into a room, um, which has actually very little to do with what you accomplish or what you achieve. What if the arena is the opportunity to consider the, the arena as a, as a space where men can dare, uh, to steal the words from Brene Brown, dare to dare uh, greatly and acknowledge their vulnerability and their authenticity? Um, what we want to what we want to say is that the arena is really a place for showing up authentically and vulnerably. Um, you know, the arena. If you really visualize the arena, the arena is where actually you can win. If you want to use that term, where you can make things happen, it's where you're alive versus being in the stands and just watching a great game. You know, the, when we're in the stands, you have very little to no influence on the outcome. When you're in the arena, you have the opportunity to make something happen. There's no guarantee that it will happen. And that is part of the vulnerability is that you choose to step into the arena, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. Rather, you choose to be in the arena because you choose to be alive and you choose to learn and you choose to experience. How's Absolutely. That? <laughs> Nailed it. Beautiful. And, um, you know, we're, we're inspired to call the men's group that we run the Arena Series men's group. And this Arena Series, we're inspired by Brene Brown's work around vulnerability and her use of the, the very famous Teddy Roosevelt quote about the man in the arena. And when we started that, that group, we actually began every session reading that quote. And we won't read it here tonight so we can dive right into the conversation. But I'll say this, that our intention with, with this conversation tonight and really inside everything we do is to inspire all of you to be people in the arena, striving valiantly forward towards whatever it is you want. 
Uh, we hope you'll come out of this conversation tonight having learned something new and ready to step into the messiness of life in new and powerful ways. Did you, so, say, me did you say messiness? The messiness. I mean, that's messiness is, is vulnerability. Yeah. And we're going to be talking a lot about mess tonight. So with that, let's dive into this, this really exciting conversation about men and friendship, which I know you and I have been looking forward to, to talking about for some time. And Nick, I know in our description, we shared that men tend to have side-by-side -side relationships, mm -hmm. while women tend to have more face-to-face -face relationships. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this? So... And, and, you know, I know, I know we shared an article uh, from the Washington Post about this very subject, right? Men being uh, shoulder to shoulder versus, uh, like you said, face to face, women being face to face and how COVID has disrupted that for men, right? You know, because COVID has taken away going to the sports game or playing softball or going to the bar or playing video games. Yes, things have loosened up, but in, over the last 12, 13 months, men, um, men have had to uh, contend with and confront this sort of side-by-side -side relationship that we have. So I, I believe there's, there's, there's a couple of reasons why men are more comfortable with this side-by-side -side or shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder type relationship. I think number one is that when you're face-to-face, -face, you are vulnerable because you're being seen, you're being heard. Um, literally, you're like all your blemishes or your wrinkles or all, all your mess, as you said, all the messiness is like right there, front and center, right? We're like right now, you and I are, are looking at each other. You can see everything about me physically, my background, et cetera, right? And I, I really believe, um, you know, that, that th th there's two things about that, right? That men don't wanna be seen and heard. I, I, and I think one of the reasons is that we compete with each other, with other men. You know, as men, we grow up, right? Do I have a bigger penis than my friends? Is my penis as big as my friends? Um, as, am I as fast as my friends? Can I jump as high as my, my male friends? Um, do I have as many boyfriends or girlfriends as my male friends, right? Are my grades as good as my male friends, right? There's this constant competition. And so as a man, one of the reasons why I would rather be side by side is because I don't want you to see any of the blemishes or uh, metaphorically speaking and the wrinkles and you know how you may be faster or jump higher or have more dates than I do. I think the other, the other piece that I'll say, Jake, is you know, I think that men grow up, or let me say differently, boys grow up to be men. And as boys, I believe we're shamed when we reveal ourselves. You know, when when we're boys and we're growing up and we we actually make requests for, um, um, I want something, you know, I need something from you. I would like to spend more time with you. I want to be heard or I love you, right? Um, I think that, you know, um, men have been shamed. Or let me I keep saying men, it's really as boys. Boys, we get shamed for showing our emotion. Boys get shamed for not following the manuscript that, that you know, somebody made up along the way that said men have to be um, in competition, men don't show, don't show uh, emotions, men don't ask for help, men don't ask for directions. I mean, think of movies that we've all watched. You know, often, especially in heterosexual relationships in movies, the woman always goes for the guy that's distant and who's aloof, not for the guy who's like all there and leaning in, right? 
Um, and so I, I believe one of the reasons why men are side by side or shoulder to shoulder is we've been shamed. We've been shamed not to be face to face. We've been shamed like do not show emotion because you will be weak. And then if you tie that to the competition piece, if I'm weaker than you are, then I fear that you're going to take advantage of me. By the way, this is all made up stuff. I'm not even saying this is real. Right. You know, what's, what's fascinating is I, I'm in the middle of taking a, a program with the poet David White. And he's, he's an Irish poet, for those of you who, who may not have heard of him. And in this program, we were talking about friendship. And he said that friendship is ultimately about witness. It's about being seen and seeing. Mm-hmm. And listening to what you're saying, Nick, it's, it's like men don't want to be witnessed by other men. They don't yeah. actually want to be seen. And that's definitely my experience if I think back to especially middle school, high school, the beginning of college is, was all of that competition. I, I went to a really competitive high school and I remember wanting to hide my grades from my friends and everyone at the end of class would all show their grades. And I had two best friends in high school mm-hmm. and they were both way smarter than me when it came to math and science. And it made me feel really stupid. Yep. I didn't want to share with them. I didn't want to be seen. God forbid, I didn't want to ask for their help. <laughs> like, right. They probably would have been the best ones to go to for help with what I was struggling with. But because of that shame, it was so challenging to be witnessed and allow myself to be seen. Yeah, I really, I really believe um, shame plays a really, really big part. Um, you know, and someone put it in the chat room that's, that the side-by-side relationship is safer. Well, it's safer because we're actually not really connecting. Right. I mean, we're connecting with the TV that we're watching or the video game that we're playing or the sporting event that we're observing or the, the, the softball game that we're both, you know, sort of looking out uh, and cheering on or hanging out at the bar with our elbows up on the on the counter. Um, but I think that, you know, um, men, I keep saying men, it's really boys who turn into men have been conditioned to not share themselves openly, authentically, expressively. Because if you do, you're acting like a woman, you're acting like a sissy, right? And it's really interesting because you know, I have two young boys, 11 and seven, and they have, and you know, I've, I listen to their conversations with, with their other boyfriends, right? And it's really fascinating how open they are. And then something happens. It's happened you know, for, for the men on this call, and for the women on this call who have, you know, men in their lives or have sons, at, so, at one point, you know, someone or some people shame us. That's not how a man talks. It's not, you know, men don't, men, men don't show their emotions. Men don't say, I love you first. Men don't say, I need you to another man. Right? You know, you reminded me of a few questions that we had come in from all of you, you who are watching. And some of them were, how do you maintain friendships as you're evolving? How do you make friends after you're 50? Mm. How do men maintain long-term friendships? And, you know, we talked about this before that it's not the way that men were friends when they began to become older boys and were shamed and, and shut down that, that intimacy, that willingness to be witnessed. It's all about the vulnerability, about saying to someone, hey, you do matter to me. Right. You're important to me. It's interesting. I had an experience actually leading up to this event with a few of my friends. I'm in a text chain with them and we all went to college together and we ran track and we'll exchange like track videos every once in a while. And everyone will chime in and say, that's really awesome. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I sent a link about this event, about men and friendship. And nobody said anything. Now, meanwhile, meanwhile, I think what you told me is 
they were exchanging text messages about other things, right? Yeah, not recently, but anytime someone okay. would send another thing, there'd be it would be acknowledged. And so I, I invite my friends to this and there's silence. And I'm thinking, whoa, how many, wait. How many, about, about how many there people? There are like six of us in the chat. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking, whoa, okay. I mean, I didn't take it personally. There are several doctors in the group. I know they're very busy. Um, but a week later, I sent another text, actually, after a conversation we had. And so I said, um, you know, did anyone see this? I'd really love to share with you what I'm doing. And again, silence. Like, really, silence. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it was really interesting because it's an experience I've had before mm. when I've been vulnerable and wanted to share something with someone, invite someone to something, which is a very vulnerable act. Right. That being met with silence actually made me not want to reach out. Mm. And it wasn't like I thought they weren't my friends or I thought they didn't care about me. I, I know none of that was true, but it definitely didn't make me want to reach out for a third time and say, Hey, this is important to me. Right. And most of the time I would sit in silence. I would say this is important to me, but I, I justify away a reason not to be vulnerable. Well, you just did just a moment ago. You said, well, a couple of them are doctors, so maybe they're busy, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so today leading up to this conversation, I, I, I didn't want to say anything. I wanted to let it slide. It had been a week. And I knew that we're talking about men and friendship. I, I had to step into the arena myself. And so I, I sent a message to them and I actually said, you know, being vulnerable, I'm pretty bummed that none of you responded. Mm. That, that's, that's really courageous of you to actually say, I'm bummed. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I've been practicing in a lot of relationships, but mm -hmm. not a lot of relationships with men. I'll say mm -hmm. it to women pretty easily, but to men, to allow myself to be witness, to kind of cross over that line has been challenging. And so today to say, hey, vulnerably, I'm bummed. Um, you don't even have to come. Like, I just don't <laughs> like the silence. Like, it's cool if you don't want to. I don't, like, that's fine. Um, and two of them wrote back almost immediately, uh, really saying, you know, it's not personal, of course. And, and one of them even said, I'm, I'm so appreciate that you were willing to call out the group yeah. and say something. Yep. And, and he made the comment that, you know, we're all mature now. Like we can have these open conversations and that's the first time that's ever been acknowledged inside the group, which I just found so powerful in that my friends actually are at that level where we can be vulnerable, even if we don't realize it yet. Yeah. Let me ask this question, Jake. Um, I'm going to make a, what I think is a strange connection, which is, um, you know, why don't men get messy with each other? Right. Maybe yeah. we've already, maybe we've already answered it um, in what we've already been sharing, but like what you said is, I mean, I, I have to believe that folks who are on this, um, you know, in this conversation, thank you, by the way, for being part of this conversation, um, have done the same thing. They've sent a message out. There's been silence. And then we rationalize and justify it by saying, oh, they're busy. They're doctors. They have kids. They have a newborn. You know, it's a Tuesday. You know how Tuesdays are. You know, it's COVID. People are bogged down in COVID. I mean, whatever, right? It's like, and, and you sort of like let it go, right? Um, it, it reminds me a little bit of men when they say, you know, especially in heterosexual relationships, happy wife, happy life, which makes, I mean, that may be the thing that like makes me cringe, right? Because it's like, let me like go along to get along, right? Mm. Not say anything, right? And think it's all going to be okay. Why don't men mix it up with each other? Like, what, yep. what do you think it is? 
you know, it's fascinating. I never thought about this before until this call. I, I think it's actually because we don't want to show how much we care. Like, Thus, vulnerability. Exactly. I don't want to communicate <laughs> to my friends who I've known for over 10 years how much they matter to me. And I don't want to be vulnerable. And basically, and even though they, we all know it's that acknowledgement and that, that vulnerability, that intimacy that is really scary to sit inside of. Um, and that willingness to be witnessed and seen and knowing that they may not reciprocate. Yeah, and the reason why, why we keep bringing up the V word, by the way, right? And it would, for, the, for the folks who are, who are participating, again, thank you for being a part of this experience tonight. Um, you know, think about what is your relationship to vulnerability? What does that word mean when you hear it, right? Um, the reason why I, I believe, and you tell me, Jake, if, if, this is, if this is accurate or close, the vulnerability is that if you were to share with your friends like you did, like, hey, I'm bummed, I'm hurt, like, hey, this is not cool. A, I'm, I'm being seen and heard, and I don't know what I'm going to get back. What if, yes. they don't what if they don't respond again? Oh, exactly. Sh oh, shoot. I am really weak. Oh, shoot. They really got something on me now. Oh, shoot. Now I'm being that needy guy that I was told at 13, 14, 18, 23, 39. I won't go any higher and show my real age. Um, <laughs> Nick's 29 for all of you out there. You yeah. turned 29 last week. It was a big we're the same age. Yeah, so. we're the same age. That's why we get. A, that's why we're good friends. That's um, right. Or one reason we're good friends. Um, we don't, you know, with vulnerability, you don't know what you're going to get back. And men have this illusion, and it is an illusion with a triple capital I, that we need to be in control. It's nonsense. It's complete and utter nonsense, right? The, this, this notion of control. By the way, control creates separation anyway. Like the more controlling you are, the more you're committed to being controlling, the more that it creates separation. It's really hard to be perfect. It's really hard to be friends who are perfect. It's really hard to be friends who expect me to be perfect. Yeah. And, men, and men, men create this experience like I've got to be perfect. I've got to look good, which is why I won't ask for directions. No, 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 no. I cannot show that I don't know where I'm going. Let's be lost for two and a half hours. That's, that part's okay. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I want to say one thing before we move on to the, the next portion of our conversation tonight, that another thing David White said in this, this program that I'm taking is that friendship is about forgiveness. And I think that's the forgiveness and mess are so key and they go together mm -hmm. because to get messy with someone, I have to trust that they're going to forgive me if I upset them, yeah. if I say something wrong, if I cross a line and that being willing to forgive and is is super vulnerable. Yeah. And it really is at the core of these relationships. I could trust that my friends, even if they were triggered by what I said, that they would forgive me. And I had already chosen, I forgave them. I, like, right. I, I was already there. Right. And I think it's to, to bring that into our friendships, especially men to men, but men and women as well, that willingness to forgive. Yep. That's where longevity, that's where sustainable relationships come from. Yeah, and I know we're going to move on to and bring on our special guest. I, I just want to say this because you, you triggered something for me, which is friendship requires work. Mm. It's different than being family. See, with family, in some respects, what's easier about family or being in a relationship with family is that 
there are there are major events that are already scheduled throughout the year where you have to talk and hang out with your family. Think about your just think about your immediate family, parents, siblings, grandparents, right? Your kids. We it's designed. It, Hallmark has designed a series of events where as family, you're going to be together, either on the phone, Zoom, in person, whatever it may be. You know, everything, depending on what you celebrate religiously and all that, right? You've got your, your Christmases and your Hanukkahs and your Passovers and you've got birthdays and you've got weddings and, and you know, we can go, we've got Mother's Day, et cetera, et cetera, right? Friendship requires work. Mm-hmm. There's no event, Hallmark hasn't come up. I don't think that maybe they've come up with like a happy friends day or a national friends day. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a national friends day. Um, if somebody wants to look it up, please do so. But I'm saying that it requires work and you have to be intentional about it. And that in itself is vulnerable because if there's no events during the year where I have to call you or we have to be together, then that means I have to express that I want to be with you, that I need you that I care about you, that I like you, and that is vulnerable. And I do think that there's an opportunity for men to shift their relationship around this thing we keep calling vulnerability. Absolutely. And we're going to you know, dive into even more vulnerability. I'm going to bring on uh, Stephanie D'Ambra to join us right now. And Stephanie is an individual and couples counselor specializing in short-term problem resolution, especially in the areas of communication and sexuality. She specializes in addictions, compulsive behaviors, and habits that interfere in leading a satisfying, fulfilling life. And both Nick and I know Stephanie well, and we were thrilled that she was willing and able to join us tonight. And, you know, Stephanie, to to kick off your portion of, of this conversation, one of the things Nick and I have noticed in all our years working with men and running men's groups is that sex is a topic that's rarely discussed. As a therapist who works with men on sexuality, what's been your experience with this? And hello, everyone. Nice to be here. I'm very happy to be with the both of you and your audience. I have have a background in sexuality as well as my training as a psychotherapist. So I have seen both heterosexual and gay men and women, and I have found that it seems that men feel most comfortable probably opening up to their female partners or their romantic partner. And when they come for therapy, that is something that I pointedly will address. I ask very directly what's going on sexually. And I just wanna make a comment about that issue of why don't men wanna get, and and one of your um, participants said something about the word messy is probably not such a great one, but it's this idea that if, if you express yourself and say that you need something or you have a problem to a man, sometimes a man may feel like he doesn't know how to handle it, that he's mm-hmm. not equipped with the skills. And I know this comes up with couples particularly because a man will say, I don't know what to do when she starts crying and it's all emotional and needs something. I, I feel like immobilized by that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that probably happens with men as well, men to men there. If, if you go to your friend as a man and say, I really need to talk, they might not even know what to do. <laughs> and so that, that is one of the reasons I think that men feel like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know how to handle this and I'm not equipped to, to manage this problem. 
But yeah, going I think back our, to and Stephanie, I think because part of our default is to fix rather than to exactly. listen, rather oh, than to right. listen and just sort of be with the person's experience, right? Right. So if I can't fix it, if Jay comes to me with an issue, then again, I feel like less of a man. So you know what? I'd rather not answer the text message or or cancel the lunch or whatever that may be so that we don't have right. to deal with it. Right. Or, you know, the other thing that it brings up, and I think this this dovetails into, you know, this conversation around talking about sex is that it would reveal in me potentially shame that I might feel that I might not want to talk about. Yeah. That if someone, if a male friend of mine were to say, hey, Jake, I really want to talk about this and it triggers for me something I don't want to talk about. Well, I'm, I'm not picking up the phone. <laughs> well, I, I would, but you yes, know, uh, in a previous life, I, I would have been pushing that phone to the side. I would have been saying, let's go laugh and have beers uh, as a couple characters in our book do um, rather than actually have a vulnerable conversation and talk about what's really going on. Right, right. So going back to this idea that women really are face-to-face and I've worked with plenty of women and I am a woman and I've talked to my own personal friends and family members and we get into it. And it's not even messy. It's just we look at each other and I think that this idea that you are face-to-face and let's go into the whole sexual thing. Do men feel like it's easy to talk about sex to their male friends versus maybe even revealing things to their, their female partners or their romantic partner. And I, I, and I, I have talked to many people and it just doesn't come up. Mm-hmm. And like you said, in the groups that you've been running, it's not been something that's just very natural for someone to say, Let, let's, let's talk about this issue I'm having, you know? So I think that you know, that idea that men need to really be able to start those conversations and say, you know what, I don't need to compete, but I need to share with you that I'm having an issue, you know, whether it's that they don't feel sexually aroused or they they feel that they're not good enough in bed. You know, how do men learn from each other? This would be such a powerful thing if men could say, tell me what you experience. Do you feel easy with your partner when when there's you know a sexual intimacy issue to be able to talk about it I think that this would be such a profound thing to address over and over again really for a lot of men they would feel much better if they had men to 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 lead the way first because somebody has to start the conversation especially right now someone's got to get into the arena that's right yeah. And, and you, you are both equipped and that's what's beautiful because we look at what we're, we're dealing with in our culture with all this sexual harassment and abuse going on. Men need role models. They need to be able to talk about, yes, they might have a lot of strong sexual drive and they need to deal with stuff, but they need to have a place to talk about those, those feelings and, and some things that are very taboo, you know, that, that yeah. maybe they're experiencing. So Stephanie, and, and maybe you've answered the question and it's okay if you have if in your mind, um, I still want to ask the question, which is, so, you know, I run several men's groups, right? And it's not that men in these men's groups don't talk about things that they're struggling with, right? So for example, nice. men will talk about, hey, I'm struggling with my career. I'm struggling with my boss. Um, I'm struggling with my, my weight or my health and well-being. Um, I'm struggling with finding, you know, passion day to day, right? 
and you'll see and you'll see men like follow up like like rigorously right both on you know an email or when we have our group sessions and at the same time there have been men and it's been very minimal i could probably count on one hand how many times it's come up but when men have actually revealed hey i've lost that that love and feeling in my relationship Right. And they're like, and it's really bugging me. And we haven't had sex in three months and, you know, whatever it is. Right. There's no follow up. There's no follow up. But that same person may reveal, hey, I'm, you know, I'm looking for a new job. Guys are like all over it. So what is it? Because it's why why do some guys care about following up about the job or the hobby? Like, hey, are you doing that thing? Versus, hey, you reveal that you haven't had sex in three months and that you're going to like deal with it now. There's like, there's no follow up. Like, what is that? Well, it, it, it points to that idea that I said that if they can't fix it and they don't feel equipped, mm. it's hard for them. And that's why I say bringing in re- resources and books and materials for, for men to understand that, you know, you don't have to have the right answer. You just have to explore it with each other. Mm-hmm. If let's say someone is having an issue with not being able to be aroused, an erection, and normalize that kind of language and really get into those specifics. I think men are smart and they can learn this, that you can say, you know what, I, I'm not aroused by my partner or I, you know, a lot of things come up and we've talked about this. So what happens, they go to, you know, porn sites and all sorts of things that then they get, you know, hijacked, so to speak, with their brain, rather than saying, let me try to understand what's going on. And let me share with other men. It doesn't have to be a a specific answer. It just has to be, this is going on for me. And I think the two of you can encourage this a lot more. What what it makes me think of is, is, you know, we had a, a, our group session, we run a group called the Arena Series here on Zoom. And we had a session on Tuesday where we talked about sex. And when we brought it up, there were jokes and there was laughter. And, and my experience is that's how men usually talk about sex. It's either the competition or it's the laughter and the joking and, and being silly about it. And, you know, I pointed out, isn't it interesting that this is the response that we all started joking about it. And it was only a few minutes later when we started talking and, and speaking about the shame that's in the background Mm. that I think most people have some version of shame that they experience around sex and sexuality. And that for men, the laughter is the best way of hiding that. And so, and, you know, we talked about competition earlier that when men get together and they're competing, even subconsciously, the last thing they want to do is acknowledge shame because that is the ultimate version of I'm not good enough. I'm not winning. And what's fascinating is the experience I've had personally the experience seeing it in the group is that when men actually acknowledge their shame, the competition goes away and everybody is able to acknowledge their shame and actually let go of it. Right. That the joking just pushes the shame deeper in the cl- deeper rather than actually releasing it. And it makes it more and more challenging to have a real conversation like you're talking about, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yes, go ahead, Nick. No, go ahead, Stephanie. I, I think also there's this, this anxiety that happens. Obviously, it can happen even when you're just being sexually intimate. And I think that that's another like embarrassment. So a man might not say to their friend, 
you know what, I am having a problem with premature ejaculation, let's say. Mm -hmm. Whereas women and women friends will say, you know what, I am in menopause, I am not lubricating, I am in pain, and they can easily say this and try to troubleshoot with their friends, as opposed to a man saying this to their friend and learning about why would that, why would that be occurring? And most of the time, it's just because they're not in a really relaxed state. And there's, you know, just all sorts of things being revved up in the fight or flight of their brain. So I, I think that really information is power. You know, it's, it's not this kind of competition and that you win that makes you powerful. It's when you get your information and you get accurate information and you share with each other that information. Yeah. And there's so much good stuff that's out there that's accurate about sex and sexuality and, and sexual behavior that's can be normalized when you talk about it. Yeah, what I'm hearing in both of what you said, you know, Jake sharing about, you know, acknowledging the shame, right? And then what gets created for other men when one of my friends is now acknowledging it, right? And you're saying there's information out there, share it together so that you can learn together. That's how you change or how we change our relationship to shame is actually getting it out of our heads and out into the world, right? Where we're verbalizing it, we're reading, sharing, taking some action. Um, I believe that is the fastest way to actually uh, manage shame and more importantly, change our relationship to it and shift it so that we can lead a more empowering, healthier um, life in, in, in the arena. Um, you know, again, I really believe that the shame is, is constantly there in the background. And I think we as men have to stop pretending uh, two things. One, that I'm the only man who's experienced this shame. Because one of the things that got revealed in our men's group session is men, all the men have experienced shame. It may not, the circumstances may be different, right? You know, something happened on a Monday, something happened on a Tuesday, but something happened, right? Something happened in our lives along this journey that had us feel shame so that we don't wanna be seen, we don't wanna be heard, right? We don't wanna put ourselves out there and say, hey, I really wanna be friends with you, if you will, right? Um, I think we have to, we've gotta get it out of our heads. You know, men are often accused of living in the cave or going to the cave. The cave is our heads. That's, that's, that's the cave and, it, and it's, it's torture. It's torture because we really operate like we're the only ones. And until you share it, mm -hmm. the other men are like, oh, my God, thank, thank goodness you said that. Like, I've been feeling the same way. Like, like Jake shared, you know, we, you know, he and I were having a, a conversation about, about sex and he shared about, you know, his relationship to it. And I said, oh, yeah, I have a similar, similar thing as well. And, and it's like, oh, man, I mean, that's how you create connection is not being perfect. That's what I said earlier in the call. You know, men operate from or think they're, they're, they have to be perfect. Man, it is so getting in our way. So getting in our way. And, you know, just reminding of, of that, that conversation we had that I think back to the conversations I had in college, where it was none of that. It was all this braggery and extrapolation and just, you know, that for me, I was sitting there like, geez, that's not my experience. And like looking back on it, it was all BS, I'm sure. But at the time, there was none of that, oh, this is what I'm struggling with, or this is challenging for me. Um, there is none of that acknowledgement of shame. And 
you know, for those of you who are watching, Brene Brown has done a ton of research on shame. And what mm -hmm. Nick's saying about sharing it, that vulnerability is the antidote to shame. Mm -hmm. That when you allow your shame to be witnessed and seen, that's when its power is taken away. And there's, there's research to back this up. It's not just anecdotal. Very good. I, 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 again, I think that when one person shows vulnerability and think about, you know, like, like if we're talking about sex, how many people really look into each other's eyes and keep their eyes open? Just that conversation alone, if you were to ask the men in the men's group, do you keep your eyes open when you're being sexual with your partner? It can't get any more vulnerable than that. I mean, when it's face to face like that, and doing those kind of exercises, even in the group, I don't mm -hmm. know if you ever do that. If you really have exercises where you ask your men in the group to look at each other and have a conversation about something, even like if you want to talk about a, spe a special kind of thing, like some kind of sexual experience that troubles them while you're looking at each other mm -hmm. and having your eyes open, it's very powerful and it's very healing. Well, you just gave us an idea for, 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 for an exercise. We have yes. done an exercise, especially pre-COVID, where we've had men look at each other um, in, you know, face to face, in the eyes, and talk about what they want. Mm -hmm. And that is vulnerable, right? I mean, to, 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 to show, and, and if you do it long enough, right? If you do it for a minute or two, which may not sound like a long time, but just try it. Oh, yeah. Where, where someone is asking you, well, what do you want? what do you want? And what do you want? Right. And like, you're almost saying like, and go deeper. Right. And it's like, and it's really fascinating to see men who others may describe as they don't communicate, they don't share, they're in their head. And like, here they are like in, in our presence, right. Like their heart is like out on the table. Um, and, and they're, and, and they're, and they're, and it's like, they're alive. They're in the arena. That's what I mean. The arena is where you're, you're alive. You, you put, you're putting yourself out there to be seen and, and to be heard. Stephanie, we got a, 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 go ahead. I just I'll, I'll ask say, my question think, in a second. All right. I just want to say when, when you establish that, let's say in the men's group and you make yourself vulnerable around something with sex and, and, and an issue, those people, this is human nature, men, women, they say, oh, I want a piece of that. I mm -hmm. want to be like that. And yeah. it really makes a difference when the leaders like you set that up, then, then it, it allows them to say, I can do this too. Right. And then I can take this. You, you want the men's groups to be able to then have those men go out there and practice what they're learning. Because life is out there. It's not only in the group, obviously. Yeah, I mean, to that point, in, in the group, um, we do talk a lot about when, uh, you know, in many ways, we call it a men's group. And, and, and I, I really think what's in the background is it's friendship. I think what we're running yes. is not a men's group. We're running a, a, a friends group. Um, yes, we do work around, you know, our goals and we do, you know, we, we, we try to, you know, we do work around contribution and, um, and we hold each other accountable and, and all that. It's, I think it's a friends group. Um, you know, ultimately I've never actually said that out loud, but I, and I say that because in those groups, you ultimately have to make a request of other men. 
ultimately, like Jake did over text, you have to do it face to face or on video, but still face to face where you say, hey, I'm disappointed that you did or didn't do that or did or did or, or didn't say something. Um, and so we do that all the time. And it's really, really fascinating. Um, the connection that gets created and more importantly, or beyond just the connection, it's like how how healthy the person experiences themselves, right? By having revealed what society has told us as men not to reveal, right? And when I say society, I mean, we're all a part of this racket, yes, right? All of us, no matter how you, whatever gender you identify as, we've been given a racket that, that boys will be boys, Men don't ask for help. Men definitely don't don't say I love you first. Men don't don't share, you know, don't don't share their feelings. You know, don't be don't be coined as too emotional. Right. It's a racket. It's a total racket that that I don't think it ever served men. It definitely does not serve men and it definitely does not serve the world today. Not a chance. So Stephanie, we, we got a question from one of our attendees beforehand, and this this person was asking, what do men need when they turn to a woman or a female coach or therapist for support? And we thought it'd be great to get your perspective on this. Okay. I think that it helps when a man comes to, um, whether it's a therapist or a coach, to get that, that kind of perspective and balance. And so if, if a man is coming and choosing a woman, I think that that obviously he wants to get in touch with his feminine part. That's that's one of the things that I like to do. I try to help men and women understand that we each have masculine and feminine traits and there's not a right or a wrong to them. So I think that when they come to either, I think that that is a really good kind of approach to just understand and help them be in touch with all aspects of themselves whether it's for coaching or for really deeper work in terms of psychological issues. I hope that helps. I, I yeah, I, I could go on and on, but I, you know, for, for well, time's sake. Yeah. We're approaching our, our 15 minute mark left in our conversation tonight. And uh, you know, one question that we wanted to save to the end that was, it was a phenomenal question that we got from someone who's attending beforehand, which is, what does it mean for a man to have and to be a best friend? And it, it's interesting. I, I was actually having a conversation with this, with, you know, a friend who I consider my best friend. And I, I have a few friends who I would probably label that too, because it's challenging to choose wh what, choose one person who's my best friend. Um, but this, this man is, is one of my best friends. And we were having this conversation a few months ago. We were walking up Central Park. And he was saying, what is it with this best friend label? It's like, I give it to you because we spend the most time together. Mm. Um, and just seeing this question, what does it mean to have a best friend? I know for me that the men who I count as my best friends are the ones that I can be vulnerable with, the ones that I feel seen by, the ones that I, I know really care about me and I really care about them. I would say, um, I think this question of what does it mean for a man to have a best friend? I think, you know, I think some of the other questions um, are inside of these. So the other questions that we receive from some, some of the participants, how do I maintain friendships? 
Um, you know, how do I make friends over 50? How do you maintain long-term friendships, right? Um, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, I have to drop uh, a line from my favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life, um, and how the movie ends. No man. So I've been using no person because we're in a different world, but um, in this, in this one-hour conversation, I'm going to use the quote, as, as it's accurately you know, stated in the movie, no man is a failure who has friends. You know, if you think of actually the character in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, he doesn't ask for help ever. And guess what? He has, an, he has a life of frustration. He has a life of being less than his other male friends. He has an experience of things are never good enough. And at the end of the movie, you know, no person is a failure who has friends. So for me, what does it mean for a man to have a best friend? It's, you know, it, it's having it's having a partner. Right. You know, Batman had, you know, has Robin, you know, Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen. Um, you know, John Lennon had Paul McCartney. Um, you know, I, you know, John had Yoko. I mean, I, you know, I. It may sound corny. I mean, I think I think for men, um, it's acknowledging um, the importance uh, of having people in their tribe, you know, front and center. Um, I totally respect that men, um, and I speak as a man, you know, who identifies as a man. Um, I totally respect men who have a process that also includes, hey, I need to be alone for a moment. Right. And I do think that's very real for me, for many men. Like I just need like a moment to just gather myself. Right. Like I can be okay with that. And what I'm also saying to me, you know, that, you know, for a man to have a best friend, it's, it's your willingness to say, I need you. Like to actually say those words. Have you ever yes. said that, you know, for the participants in this group, especially for the, for those who identify as men, have you ever said to another man, I need you. It'd be interesting to see if you if you've said that to your to your partner. I mean, to me, well, that's that's a best friend. It's like I, I I need you, and I think part of having or being a best friend or having that best friend experience, like I said earlier, friendship is about being intentional. You know, the question that you know that that one of the participants asked, "How do you make friends after 50? You must be intentional. It's true because you said it around the family issue versus friends. You have to tend. There has to be a real give and take and energy put into it and listening. You know, I'm not saying that women don't do this, but this idea that you can just spend your whole day listening to people talk, 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 and they don't stop and take a break and then say, how are you? And really listen and don't interrupt. I mean, that's a big one. So that can really be an important component of how to become a good friend you know, and be a best friend, listen, ask, seek the person out, say, I, I need you. I would like to spend time. Yep. And that yes. is not something that men really in general do very well. And that yeah. can be a, another component of, of, of helping men understand that's essential. What I'd add to that, and it's been alluded to a few times tonight is for men not to try to fix mm-hmm. And not to try to fix their male friends as much as the women in their life, mm-hmm. to uh, to be okay with the discomfort of unresolution. Mm-hmm. And you know we've talked about it before that fixing is a way of avoiding vulnerability. 
it's a way of avoiding being with discomfort of another person being uncomfortable, but also seeing where me as a man, I'm uncomfortable with what's going on. And it's really funny. I, it's not funny at all, actually, that when men try to fix, it's the least generous thing that they could do mm. because it's not about the other person at all. It's about making themselves feel better. And I can say that because when I've been in relationships and I've tried to fix, um, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friend relationship with a man or a woman, that when I try to fix, it's because I'm uncomfortable that things are unresolved. And it's totally selfish mm-hmm. versus being with what's there and meeting that person where they are and allowing for the space to be as uncomfortable as it may be. That is the most generous, loving thing that a friend can do. Yeah. Right. You know, and I, I believe, um, to go back to some of my earlier comments about the, the role that shame has played in our lives, um, I believe that as boys, again, for those uh, on, the, on the call who identify as a man who, who was once a boy, um, I think we've all used the version of I need you and have been shamed for it. I really believe if you really were to, you know, especially after this call, were to meditate or just be present or go for a walk, you've all done it and likely you've been shamed for it. Um, I, I remember being... Um, you know, about 12 years old. This is what I mean, because at some point it, it, the, the, it changes, the light goes off because you get shamed. When I was 12, I went to see the movie Grease. So you can probably figure out, maybe he's, he's not, not 20, 29. He's not 29, like Jake was saying. Um, so I made, I made him fib, so it's not Jake's, it's not Jake's fault. Um, but I went to see the movie Grease. Um, and I was so, I remember in the, and I went to see it with three of what, you know, at that time were my best friends, right? And when we did everything together, we were, you know, inseparable. And, and I remember sitting there and being so jazzed and inspired, right? I'm like, you got Kanicki and you got Danny Zuko and you got the T-Birds and you got the Pink Ladies and you have, they were friends. I mean, they were friends, all of them, right? In their mess. I mean, talk about mess. Right. I mean, that's a mess. The whole movie is a mess. Right. You know, and I remember I walked out of the movie theater and I was like walking on cloud nine and it wasn't because of the music. It was because I'm like, I've seen the light like this is like these are my guys. These are my T-birds. And I remember walking out and like really like like totally vulnerable. And, And I looked at my friends and I said, let's have a gang. And they laughed at me. Mm. And they said, come on, that's so stupid. Aww. They said, that's, that's like stupid. And they laughed and went on and started talking about something else. And I remember like physically, if you were observing physically, like they were like walking ahead and I was like the mm-hmm. kid with the head down, right? I mean, look, I'm older than 29. And I still remember that moment walking out of that theater and saying to those three guys, I want to be a gang. Mm. Right. Like I was, that was my version of, I need you. And they, and they, and they rejected me or that's the story. At least I made up. Right. Yeah. Maybe they didn't make, maybe they didn't say any of those things, but that's what I heard. Right. Um, What I'm saying is I believe we've all experienced that where we've, we've, we've asked someone, I want to be part of your gang. And they've said no, or laughed at you or walked away. And I'm sorry that's happened. That sucks that that's happened. And if you want to have friends after 50 or you want to have lifelong friends, especially as you evolve and the world evolves, I really believe 
you got to keep asking for, um, you know, for them to be part of your gang. Like, I, I, I don't know how, I don't know how else or what else, you know, I don't think there's a magic, you know, potion. Uh, I, I think you just have to be vulnerable, you know, and I think that the more vulnerable you are, you will energetically attract in the universe other people who are like, yeah, I want to be in a gang too. Well, yeah. that's why you sent you developed these wonderful groups. It's exactly why, actually. It's, it's really wonderful that you did that. It I, helps I, I, you. It helps them. I'm like, hey, you three, don't, you three don't want to be in my gang. I'm going to go and create. I'm just going to go create another gang. You bet. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, what what it, it reminds what you just shared reminds me of, of something that happened when I was in high school. Um, I, for those of you who don't know, I was obsessed with ancient Greece, which is another reason why Nick and I get along so well. I, I finally found myself a, a mentor and a friend who is Greek um, after and many years of, of looking. <laughs> so, but in, in uh, yeah. high school, I was obsessed and I wrote this whole paper about the Trojan War and I showed it to my two best friends. And the only thing they said was that there were like 22 commas in a sentence. Mm. And it was, it was like absolutely heartbreaking because that was something that meant so much to me that I wanted to share with them. And, you know, I think about what I shared earlier about texting my college friends and for the silence for those first few times that it wasn't the same experience as in high school because they weren't saying anything negative, but the silence was still uncomfortable and a bummer. Mm -hmm. But to follow up that third time and get the responses I did changed the entire experience. So to build on what Nick just said, if you want friends, whether you're over 50 or whether you're in high school or whether you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s, keep asking and keep telling mm -hmm. the people who are important to you that they're important to you and that you want to share with them. Because I'm going to guess that they also want to share with you. It's just so easy in our world to forget that or get lost up in things. But the more that you say it's important, they're going to realize it's important as well. Yeah, I mean, and we have we have evidence that that men want to share because I mean, there's lots of evidence, but one one evidence is um, you know the article that we sent to all the participants prior to there was some some research that was shown right, and one of them is that men are more likely to to use their female spouse. This is the heterosexual relationships to relate to their female spouse, female partner as their best friends. Mm -hmm. It's like for the, for the dudes that are on this call, like you need people <laughs> and like, and that's totally a okay. It does not make you less of a man. It makes you more of a human and it makes you more accessible and it makes you um, a man who can actually make a bigger difference for everybody around them. And all the people that are listening tonight, if they have children, they can break the cycle by, by trying to explain all these things to them and do it differently for their sons and for their daughters. Because like you said, we're all part of the racket. We have to break the cycles of all these things, you know? So really hopeful. Yeah, so, so speaking to all of you who are watching, you know, I'd love for you to think about now and as the night continues, what did you learn tonight? What did you take away from this conversation about your own relationships? If you're a man, if you're a woman, if you identify as something else, what are you taking away? What are you learning? And what can you do to act on that learning? How can you take that learning and turn it into something new with the people in your life? And if, if you're a man in this room and you want to learn more about joining 
uh, Nick and Mai's group, you can reach out to us. Uh, my email is jake at jakefishbein.com. We run a men's group called the Arena Virtual Series every other Tuesday here on Zoom. And uh, we'd love to have you join. And wh what I would say, um, my, my parting shot is that I believe, um, I I'm really encouraged that so many people join tonight um, because I believe collectively it's time for us to change the narrative around how men should be, right? Um, guess what? It's all freaking made up. Somebody made up a thing called boys will be boys. So guess what? I'm committed to changing what boys, what you know, boys will be boys means. So when people say boys will be boys in the future, because I've got two boys, mm -hmm. I want it to mean friendship. I want it to mean respect. I want it to mean inclusivity. I want it to be loving. Like we can do that. And I, we have to do that together, right? So, you know, anytime we go back to, you know, to Stephanie, your point about, you know, especially for those of us who are parents or have nephews and nieces um, or who are coaches and, you know, interact with younger folks, you know, girls or boys. No, let's, 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 let's give them a new script, right? Which is vulnerability and authenticity are super cool. That's how you get into the pink late, the pinky ladies and the, and the T-birds. That's how you get in there is through authenticity and vulnerability, not by being a tough guy. Mm -hmm. Great. Stephanie, what would your yeah. parting shots be? And how can people get in touch with you? Yes. Okay. It's, it's my um, email, sdambra61 at gmail.com. Any parting shots? Well, again, I think to really start practicing being vulnerable around both sexual kind of issues with your male friends, bringing that up. And there's many, many ways to learn how to communicate about, about it with their partners, as well as with their friends. There's resources and um, I'm always happy to share whatever I know. I love to educate and give people information. As I say, it's power. That's, that's the key to take away. Well, it's 7.30 and thank you all for joining us for the last hour to talk about men and friendship. We're gonna be back again with another topic sometime in the next six weeks. So keep an eye out for an email from Nick and I around men and another topic. And if there's a topic you wanna to hear us talk about, please shoot us an email. We wanna talk about what you wanna to listen to and learn about. So uh, we look forward to you joining us again. And once again, thank you for being here for this conversation around men and friendship with Coach Jake, Coach Nick, and Stephanie.